Have you, a friend, or family member ever considered writing a book and getting it published? Well, I have the perfect idea for you. You should contact Wasteland Press. Wasteland Press is a self-publishing book company, and since they started in 2000, they have published over 4,000 book titles. That's right, over 4,000 book titles, and they make money from your book, not you, and they work for you non-stop, full-time. You can sell your free copies when it's all said and done to make an investment off of your book, and there is no other publishing company that can offer that. They provide full-service publishing for you and your book, which includes the cover design and formatting. And they also have a plan that can fit your budget, which includes the basic plan, the silver plan, the gold plan, the platinum plan, and the ultimate plan. If you want to find out more about these plans, you can contact them at 502-437-0860. That's 502-437-0860. And if you want to request a publishing guide, you can contact them at wastelandpress.net. Do it. You won't regret it. Make your dreams come true with Wasteland Press. Hello guys and welcome back to another episode of the Man Cave Sports Podcast. I'm Tyler Goff and I'm here with Tim Refro and uh, the past couple weeks there's a lot of been going that has been going on. Kentucky just they haven't had a good past three weeks or really ever since the fourth quarter of that Florida game. Penny Hardaway setting the bar way too high for his basketball team going into the season. Kansas got hit with violate of uh, some level one violations and what and that could mean a lot for the future, really. And California just passed a bill that would allow their college athletes in the state to make money off of their likeness, off their name, such as, you know, doing a little autograph session and making some money off that. So we have pretty much have a loaded show, and there was also some media day for UK basketball um, that we could also get to. In this episode, but I really wanted to start off the show with the California bill and what that really means. And from basically what I could gather from it and the logistics of it is the colleges that are in California, they cannot tell the players that they can't make money off their name or whatever. They, the colleges can't do that anymore. So that starts in 2023. Which is like you know, four four years from now, starting January first, two thousand twenty-three. Which is really so, odd. It's it's odd, uh, and the thing is, it's I think for the NCAA they're gonna have to step up quickly just because. What also else, something else that's going on is there's other states getting in the fold now. Kentucky, uh, there's a legislate there's a legislator in Kentucky that's currently coming up with a bill that would that's very similar to the one in California. Some other major states, New York, the Carolinas, Florida, I, I even think Alabama is getting in the fold as well. And if, what's crazy is the one in Florida, it starts next year. If they get if Florida gets their bill to pass that's similar to the one in California, it starts next year. So the NCAA very quickly is going to have to 
come up with something and found a way to regulate it. Because if they don't, we may very well be looking at the NCAA, as we know it, being over. And everything's going to be changing. Especially, and they, it's going to be chaos if they don't find a re- way to regulate it. Because from what I've seen from it, these students, they can make, these student athletes can make as much money as they want. There's no cap whatsoever. So what do you think about this bill? What do you think it does to the NCAA? And do you think it's going to kind of force the NCAA's hand a little bit? And really, is there a way to kind of, for them to sit down, have a conversation, and find a way to regulate this thing? I think, I I personally believe that it might be out, the cat's out of the bag. I definitely think it's a, definitely a possibility. We talked about a post-NCAA uh, tournament, things like that. How would they go about doing it and things like that? So I think at this point, NCAA's got to rush out, get something to offer, and basically uh, pull the fuse out from the states from, uh, you know, passing these bills and allowing these kids to make money. So the NCAA, it's been that we've been talking about it for years, decades, even whether, you know, when money started really getting into basketball, especially uh, this is more for basketball than it is anything else, I think. Uh, just because the the stars are so iconic. I mean, you have them in football, but they're, they're few and far in between. But the basketball players have national recognition. They get enormous shoe contracts. They have enormous celebrity. You know, we talked about, uh, you know, Zion last year. You know, what if he could have earned money? He could have done national commercials. He really could have. He could have already signed that shoe contract. Everything last year, all the big stuff coming at him. Uh, you know, so there's a lot of implications, a lot of ins and outs, especially considering that uh, people will be able to go straight from high school. How, you know, and these are for kids that aren't necessarily NBA ready, but they also can make some money, especially in a smaller market like Kentucky. You know, Kentucky basketball players can make money, a lot of money doing this stuff, just signing signatures after a practice. $10, please. Or just going to yeah. somewhere like, let's say, KS Bar. Yeah. And just, they can make a lot of money. Sure. These athletes could, just from doing an autograph session. Yeah. And now, I was telling you this, I don't mind players being able to profit from their name. I really don't. If they want to do an autograph session, who the hell says that they couldn't? Why, why can't they? If they want to do little small, small market endorsements, why can't they? I don't see the issue with that. My only issue would be is if they're getting outright, outright paid from like the schools, like every single game they play in. Yeah, that's what I wouldn't be cool with. But like I said, from what I've read, it's not like that at all. It's just making money based well, off their even lightness. in the NBA. Okay, um, you know, you take someone like LeBron James. Most of the money that they're making is actually non-basketball related, meaning that uh, they're not playing the game to make the money, the majority of the money that they're making. Shoe contracts, all kinds of things, commercials, 7-Up, whatever it may be. You know, So it, it just depends on um, the player's caliber and things like that and how much it's going to affect 
um, you know, the money that they bring in. I will say this: the NCAA has got to do it now. They got to. They're going to have to, especially if the one in Florida gets passed, because that literally starts. 2020 before yeah. football season starts and, and, and before you know basketball what? season starts. We of talked about the motivation of, of uh, California giving them three, four years. I'm just, I think they did it's that. It's possible that they did that I just think to give NCAA a chance. That's what, that's what I was thinking too, is that yeah. the only reason that California would, would want to wait three to four years is because just to give NCAA time Florida to react. The same thing. And, Maybe the Florida just said, Florida just said, screw the NCAA. We're, if we're going to do this, we're going to yeah. start soon. I will tell quickly. you this. If it does happen and, and these individual states start paying um, uh, the, where they, these kids can make money and they're going to make tax revenue off these kids making money. Uh, and then all the other states are just going to fall in line. And what's going to happen is the NCAA is just not going to exist anymore. It's going to become basically, I think at first they'll fight it. I think they'll fight it. They'll go down in flames. They'll say, "Okay, we're going to block everybody that has a uh, that that has this rule for each state." Well, you know, you got University of Kentucky playing Duke in a national championship in some minor capacity, whether the conferences join together and make a confederation of some type, and then you're going to have the NCAA championship where you have University of Central Florida playing uh, Iowa State, you know, and, and who, which one are you going to watch, Duke, Kentucky, or Iowa State, University UCF? And another thing is the NCAA is, <clears throat> what the NCAA is going to have to think about, are they willing to let these major schools that are in these major states, Kentucky, uh, Duke, North Carolina, and, the, you know, of course, in the Carolinas, uh, Florida, in even California, the schools out there, are they going to be willing to let these schools ban them from the postseason? Yeah. Do you really think, because like you were saying earlier, it's basically going to be the NIT. Do you really think people are going to tune in to watch these small schools in an NCAA tournament no. that doesn't have Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, Kentucky, uh, UCLA, Stanford, USC, I don't care. But I don't think the NCAA is going to be able to they're I don't think they're going to be able to afford produce, that. Yeah, I mean they're almost going to ha- it'll destroy the NCAA. Um it will go down in flames. And then it's going to be what's going to be left is the conferences. And the conferences don't have the regulation that the NCAA does. So they can pre- I mean they have some regulations but it's very limited. And so they would be able to form a confederation of you know of, of conferences and make their own NCAA type organization out of it and rewrite the rules where they can make money and then maybe they can restrict the money this is what the NCAA should be doing and restrict the money contingent on them going to class and things like that making a C average you know, so there are ways around this for the NCAA. Are they willing to do it? You know, there are some people that uh, in this world who see, uh, you know, something coming down the road that's going to kill them and they and they adjust to it. Or there's some people that no matter what, they want it the way it's always been and they go down in flames. That's been done throughout history. So. Then the the NCAA, their main thing has, over the years has been these players are amateurs. They can't make money. 
And NCAA is already trying to fight back this the law that already got passed in California, and they already the NCAA already wrote a letter to the governor that said California Senate Bill 206 would spend, would upend upend that balance if the bill becomes law and California's 58 NCAA schools are compelled to allow an unrestricted name, image, and likeness scheme. It would erase the critical distinction between college and professional athletics, and because it gives the schools an unfair recruiting advantage, would result in them eventually being unable to compete in NCAA competitions. These outcomes are unattainable and would negative, negatively impact more than 24,000 California student-athletes across three divisions. Well, we're talking about a lot more than that when you got you know other states that are willing to do it. The other states will fall in line. Because they have to remain competitive. How's College that? sports is one of the most competitive. And, and what would happen is the only thing I don't like about this is that what it will do is it will make schools, uh, larger schools, even more elite. It'll make the smaller schools less uh, competitive. I definitely think that will be. And someone like, uh, you know, you got these other states who, uh, you know, like UCLA, Southern California, uh, the New York City schools and things like that, where they can do a local commercial and it'll be exposed to 3 million people. And, you know, if you know anything about uh, advertising, the more people you're exposed to, the more the more the sponsor gets for doing it. So, um, you know, someone in California can do a Bank of America commercial. And there's a, I mean, that's, that's a multi-billion dollar corporation paying a local Southern California basketball player to do a commercial for them. And, and we're talking about, you know, half million dollars, maybe in the millions. So, and how do you reg- how do you tell a kid that makes a million dollars? Hey, you got to go to school, you know? And I was telling you this earlier, these kids intentions now, this generation, they don't. I, they care about their grades in college. I think they care. It's just, I think they're more attention so are trying to get to the NBA and get paid. These top level talent. I, they don't care about, I just don't think they care about really school as much. Like going to class, getting good grades. I don't think school is really their top priority anymore. Whereas back when the one and done started, maybe is school was a lot more important. And DeMarcus Cousins not too long ago came uh, came out and said um, he almost stayed for another year at Kentucky because back where he was from, school was important. And just think about years before, like in the 90s and early 2000s, just in, even the 80s and so forth, school meant a lot more, but now it doesn't. Well, kids care, kids care, and... Who wouldn't? But care these kids care a lot more about money, and they are going to go. They're going to go to the schools where they can make money. Sometimes it's practical too. For example, what you could have done twenty years ago with a four-year college degree versus what you can do today, and the debt that you yeah. have. And now, co- we're not I mean, talking about debt, but we're talking about jobs. Yeah. And what kind of job that you can get for a four-year degree doesn't mean much to what it what what it meant twenty years yeah. ago. Well, pro- progressively now, it's can, college having a degree in college does not mean more, or does not it doesn't mean as much as it used to, like you were saying. And like I said, these kids just they don't 
care about getting a degree. They want to go to the NBA and make millions of dollars. And like I said, they they are going. And the reason why you see all these other schools hopping along, like Kentucky, the Carolinas, Florida, Pennsylvania, Alabama, these these states that are trying to get on is because these schools know if California they passed it, the players in twenty twenty three, they are going to want to go to California. If if that's the only state that allows it, they're going to want to go to California because they know that they can make money. And the reason, you know, like I said, these other these other states are getting along is because they <laughs> every literally, I don't think all of them, but the majority of these top tier recruits are going to go to California instead of going to like normal like Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, all these different schools. Yeah. And the I think like we were saying, this the the NCAA really has to sit down. They, they can't lolly lollygag this stuff. No, they can't just sit on it and wait until next year. Because guess what? If Florida passes theirs, by the time they sit down and talk about it next year, Florida's getting ready to allow players to make money off their name. Yeah, so I, I they have. Think if, if you're the NCAA, you got to step in and a lot and do of the, quickly. Yeah, and a lot of this is the NCAA's fault. Yeah, because they could have prevented this. They could have four four years ago. Well, really, when the talk about players getting paid, and really just when the the whole college scandal about these players getting paid anyway, what under the me, table. I, I tell you what concerns me. Okay, that they knew this. You don't think just California just came up and passed a bill, and they they were blindsided by it? No, they knew that this was coming, and they did nothing. Well, I so didn't. That makes I didn't. Think, I don't think that they knew that, like <laughs> these other states would be coming on. No, no, but they, they knew weren't Cal- expecting they knew that. Cal- no, okay. Let's just. Take well, they Cal- already knew about California. The other because- states. Let's just talk about California. Warm weather, huge markets, everything. So just just with losing California alone would be huge. Okay, so they knew ahead of time that California has been mulling doing this. And they've been talking about it for years. This is not something that just came up out of the blue. So if they knew that California, and they they had to know, if there are any organization at all, they had to been talking to people. They had to been lobbying people in California and, and to understand that this might actually pass. And what are we going to do if it does pass? Do we just allow it to happen and try to strangle out California people from being able to play in tournaments and things like that? Or, and then you add on top of, okay, so let's say that they said that. And then they start hearing about Alabama. They hear about Florida. They know what, what kind of talent comes out of those states. And then they're, everything changes. It has to. If, if they're not going to change now, they're not going to. They're either going to flame out or they're going to compromise. And I don't, I'm don't. i not so sure they're going to compromise. Maybe they will. I hope they will because I like the NCAA structure, you know, the tournament and things like that. It seems like we got to – it took us years to get here, but it seems like they found the sweet spot. The NCAA tournament in basketball is the envy of all sports. It really is. I mean, maybe the Super Bowl – is better but i mean you know as far as college athletics it's the it's the envy and then you have football coming into the fray where they're finally getting their tournament system and 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 
it's working out. I think it's working out. I think they need to expand it. Um, but I've been that's a, for not. I've been a big advocate for the college football yeah, playoff expanding but, I mean, to at least eight teams. That disappearing. That's how big this is. We're talking about that disappearing. The way I grew up is gone. The basketball structure, not, not for, so much. The forget football. the forget the being able to come out of high school. They're these. I think this gives the kids incentive to go to college if they can make money. And the kids, and I was telling you this earlier, the kids who are borderline first rounders, where they're not guaranteed, they're where they're more than likely going to go second round. Uh, I think this w- would give them the incentive to come back to school for at least another year, yeah. because of the fact that they can make money. Yeah. And like what you were saying, the caveat to that would be, you have a coach from the NBA telling you, "Hey, I can pay you this." X, X, X amount of money and being able to practice 24 hours out of yeah. the day. But that would be the only caveat to but that, that. That's someone who's freakishly gifted. Who has a yeah, legit. I mean, that's where someone, no, they see him and they're like, yeah, this guy's going to be a good NBA player. Or he has all the skills. If you give him time, he has a skill yeah. set. You give him the time, he's going to be a really good basketball so player. So in, in reality, it's almost like, the NCAA or whatever organization is going to be called will become the minor league system for the NBA, basically. And, and you know, there's all kinds of implications. Will the kids go to school? If there's no consequences, if there's no organization for these kids to enforce these kids to go to school or to enforce these kids only practice 20 hours a week, uh, whatever. I mean, what implications that has for everything? All those rules that we've sweated over for 40, 50 years are gone. How do you pick up the pieces? How do you, if you're going to pay the players, how do we enforce that they do what they're supposed to do, which is go to school and play basketball? How do you enforce that? So there's all these questions that come up with that. That's the, I mean, that's the question that the NCAA is going to have to try to figure out. Yep. Trying to figure out how, uh, how, how are we going to be able to make sure that these kids are still going to class and everything, doing the point of college, getting, you know, attending class, getting good grades and all that. And what about shoe contracts? I mean, there's so much, there's a million questions. Come, I mean, Adidas paid several players where there's a huge scandal right now. Yeah. All that Th- goes that's, out the window too. Here, and that's, that's what I, that's where I was going at earlier yeah. is when all this, this college scandal coming out about these players getting paid under the table to go to these different programs, the NCAA could have said, Hey, you know what? We're going to regulate it. If these kids want to make some, just a little bit of money, that's fine. We're going to put a, we're going to put a, a cap on it and they can make this, X amount of money. They could have done that. But instead, they didn't do anything. They let more scandal, they let the scandal progress even further. And now, they're going to have to face the consequences of these, all these states gathering around. And, you know, there's just 14 or 15 now, but that's, a lot of them consist of major states that have major programs in them, both football and basketball. They had to face the consequences of them just sitting on this issue. And instead, they could have just prevented this years in advance. Wow. And I, now, I'm just thinking about the coach's salary, too. How does it affect that? You know, do you divert uh, money from the coach's salary? Does it make it go down because of just market consider considerations alone? I mean, there's so many 
there's so many facets to the possibilities of an NCAA paying a player and, and the structure behind that or a, a, a structure X paying a player, you know, whatever that is formed after the NCAA, you know, if that happens. I don't, I don't think I, – I would hope the NCAA would have enough sense to say – you know the writing's on the wall. We got to change things. If we don't, we're not going to exist as an organization. Yeah, that's um, the consequence. Like that's another constant consequence that they're going to be facing. The Olympics, the Olympics, they allow they allow athletes to get paid now, and it and it uh, it only it, in a really good way too because a lot of these kids, you know, take Phelps for example, you know, uh, couldn't get paid basically swimming on his own, um, you know just basically not making anything and then competing in the Olympics. So for him to be able to come back, he can't go pro, you know, that's, or go to hockey, whatever that you want to call it, you know, any, any type of sport. And then you let them make money on the side. It clears things up. You get the best of the best and it makes the Olympics better, you know? And I, I, I would hope that happens for the NCAA too. You know, I would love, to have a local hero play basketball for my local team. And not only that, if I want a signature, give him a little money so he can spend a little money on the side and, and go to take his mom to dinner or whatever. We're not, we're not even talking about people that become make hundreds of thousands of dollars. We're talking about kids that might be able to shoot to three, has no athletic ability, but can affect a game in the NCAA and he can make a little money for himself because he can't work, can he? Mm -mm. He can't do it. So can't. Uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting dynamic, I think. I think it is too, and this is it. It just goes it goes farther than just football and basketball. This is all athletics. Yeah. And the one the the bill in California, it also applies to Division two schools and Division three. So it's it. This is. Going to be, it's this is going to be a huge storyline going into 2020, especially if Florida passes their bill, which yeah. would, like I said, start next year. That it's why the NCAA can't just sit on this issue; they have to come up with something now. They're going to have to find a way to regulate this because if they don't, it's just going to be total chaos. And you, there's just there's going to be no structure to it. Like I said, I'm all for these college athletes making money off their name. I'm all for that. But it's there's going to be no way if they don't come up with something. There's going to be no way to regulate it, and it's just, there's going to be absolutely no structure whatsoever. So I agree. So these this like I said this going into 2020 and starting now it's going to be a big storyline as far as as the the college football and basketball season starts up next year. So uh, and also in the news, Kansas gets hit. With some level one violations, which is really huge, uh, and then Kansas at their midnight midnight madness, which is not as good as Kentucky's, by the way. They have uh, Snoop Dogg there, and uh, he's having a mascot there that has that's holding a blunt. They have dancers stripping on a uh, on a on a pole. They Snoop Dogg's shooting out money into the crowd. And the NCA has nerve, or the uh, Kansas has the nerve to say, "Oh well, we didn't know that he was going to do that." It's freaking Snoop Dogg. What do you expect? And Kansas at this point, they don't care. 
and they should. And I, my main point is this: if they're going to hit hit Kansas with this, and sooner or later, uh, I think Kansas is probably going to get a postseason ban. If they're going to hit Georgia Tech with a postseason ban, which they probably weren't even going to make the postseason anyway this year, I would imagine. I don't know about you, but I would imagine that that Kansas is going to get some type of postseason ban, or they're going to get. There's going to be something huge that's going to happen in Kansas, and I'm on the verge of they might fire Bill Self. Now, what this means for other schools all caught up in this whole college scandal, Louisville. You could make the argument that Louisville did a lot more worse than Kansas and Georgia Tech. I mean, they were on probation and for the for Strippergate, and then it comes out that Rick Pitino or Louisville, whoever, whoever part of Louisville, was trying to pay a player, Brian Bowen, to play on their basketball team while they were on probation from Strippergate. I think at this point, though, for Louisville, they're probably beyond the point of giving them the death penalty. Because from how I look at it, if they were going to give Louisville the death penalty, it would have already happened by now. But since Louisville, you know, they kind of they self-imposed a postseason band. Since they already, they since they already self-imposed a postseason ban, like was it three years ago or something like that? I think, like I said, I think the postseason the I think the death penalty is off the table right now. But you would have to imagine that Louisville, if they're going to hit Georgia Tech with a postseason ban, I think a decision's going to come very soon for Louisville. I hope so. And boy, some of that tea's been taken out with all this talk about NCAA and players getting paid and things like that. So all of these uh, punishments mean nothing if the NCAA falls apart. I mean, there's, there's so many facets of what we were talking about. This very thing, how do you enforce that? Kansas comes out, passes a bill where you can pay players. And, you know, they all start – all the tumbles and everything and all these states start falling through. So all the sanctions, all the blocks from playing, a, uh, you know, in the NBA – in the NCAA tournament, all of that goes out the window. And so it's interesting uh, when it comes to, like, U of L, a team that was – basically upended because of and rightfully so i'm not saying you know but what do they say after the fact you're like yeah that was all for not because the ncaa doesn't exist anymore and you know we upended our program we did all this different stuff and now by the way i don't know if it would be legal but i mean technically um you know if the kid decides to earn some money and go get them some strippers and stuff like that. I don't know. It's just, it, this is the wild West. If the NCAA falters, it really is. So that's why I'm hoping that they do come out with something. So they, that all these punishments, I mean, go back 20 years ago, 25 years ago with, uh, you know, uh, Kentucky and things, all, all of those punishments, the death penalty for UNLV, 
you know, for doing basically paying their players, you know, making sure they're taken care of, they're making money off their image. All these different kind of ethical things are, are kind of for naught. Yeah. I, if the NCAA does come up with something on how to regulate the, the whole pay for play bill or, and so, and all that jazz, I think, you know, as far as Louisville is concerned, I mean, if if everything's all fine and done with, you know, the NCAA and if they come up with something, that's great. But I think Louisville is going to, I mean, a postseason ban would hurt their momentum because they're supposed to have a really good year this year. I, I don't, like I said, if I don't think it's going to happen this year, but you look at further years, they're supposed to be on the brink. They're trying to recruit five-star guys. They're on the brink of getting back to, not yet, but getting back to where they were, where they maybe even better. And I'm afraid that Louisville might get hit hard. I guess I don't think it's going to be a death penalty, but there's I think the sub is going to come out soon for Louisville too. Whatever yeah. they whatever they decide, and a postseason ban seems like what the NCA is doing or how they're punishing right now. And you know it just goes to show with all these college scandals that Arizona's coach Sean Miller gets to keep his job. LSU's coach Will Wade gets to keep his job. It just goes to show that as long as you don't have a previous record of wrongdoing, you have this little mark, you're fine. Just don't do it. They'll slap you on the slap you on the wrist and say, "Hey, don't do it again, See, man." That's a change uh, from what it but, was twenty years ago. Yeah, and what like uh, what killed Rick Pitino is that he already had he was getting a BJ under the table. He had that scandal, the the stripper gate. He already had that, and then the, the paying Brian Bowen. He had all this stuff add up, and it was just it was just time for Louisville to get rid of him. Yeah, I think so too. And I believe me, like I said, I'm, that's not passing judgment on the Louisville decision. I thought they were 100% right. Just things just were going terrible for them all around in all the aspects of of sports except for baseball, you know. And um, so, you know, I think, I think they made the smart decision there. The only problem that I have, and like I said, the, the only problem that I have really with the NCAA, and this is one of the things that they're not consistent – they're treating each school differently. They, it seems like, you know, if if you had they, – they're, they're very nuanced. You know, basically uh, the same type of violation uh, at one school and another school, and they find some way to give the death penalty to one school, and the other school just gets a postseason ban or something. You know, they, they don't uh, – they're not consistent at all. If they came out and were harsh to Louisville, that's fine. But they also need to be harsh to someone like, uh, you know, Kansas. And if they can do both of those and be consistent, then we got, we, you know, they have room for argument. They have a, a, at least a moral clarity with, you know, how they treat schools and, and what the rules are and things like that. But when you let them play around with this stuff and you slap somebody on the hand who basically diverted money from a shoe contract to a player – and, you know, and they do that and they get away with it, they get a slap on the hand and they're coaching the next year, then how can you possibly 
make an argument on how your rules are rules and you have to obey them when clearly people have not obeyed them and got away with it and are doing well. You know, so that's why, you know what, just get rid of the NCAA. I, I, I've just talked myself into it. <laughs> you know, I, I'm so sick and tired of talking about them. It's just like, you know, all, all these years I've been watching basketball and I've seen one school treated differently than the other school. And I've seen one school get favoritism. You have a coach for Duke University who does American Express commercials, national commercials, and that's not a recruiting violation. But then you have someone like Kentucky who uh, basically paid for a kid to fly out somewhere and they get a and they get in trouble for it. That's considered a violation, you know. So I mean, it's it's absurd. It's absurd. They they don't they don't have any structure to the rules and things like that. So maybe the NCAA going by the wayside is a good thing. Get rid of them. Start paying these kids money. Let them earn money. Let's say that. Let let them earn money rather than paying the kids, and form a new organization. Duplicate the NCAA process of, of the tournament. That's that's my thing that I love about the NCAA is just a tournament. And and even then, there's people, there's these smaller schools who have a problem with it, but that's always going to be an issue. But you know, at least give at least give these kids a chance to earn a little money on the side because the universities are making a whole lot of money off of them. We talked about Kentucky, the Kentucky basketball poster uh, posters and things like that. If they could have made a little money off it, the football poster that has the likeness of, you know, various players, how much money they could have made off of that. And, and maybe not, you know, make them wealthy, but at least be able to pay some bills. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't, I really don't see any problem with these players getting money. It's for their for their likeness from yeah. their name. I don't see the problem. It's not, and again, it's not like these schools are paying them a hundred thousand dollars for every game they play. In. Yeah. It's not like that. It's just being able to do smaller market endorsements and just doing little autograph sessions. They're 18. Okay. They can enter into a legal contract. They can go to off to war. They can do all these different things, but they can't make money. You know, I, and and that's that's the th- that's how I see about it, you know. And, and I don't see them as being amateurs. I mean, once you're 18, you're legally considered an adult. Yeah. So why can't you just make a little money on that, the side? But the school can make money off their likeness, whether it be a video game or whatever. You know, they can make money off the likeness, and they can sell their jerseys with their numbers on. They don't put their names on them, but they still sell the the jerseys with the numbers on. Uh, you know why so, why couldn't the students for these student athletes for every time their jersey gets sold why can't they with their number on it why shouldn't they be able to make their name too yeah with their, their name, name yeah put their yeah. name on it why can't they make a little bit of sure. money it's their name yeah it's it's sort of like a copyright thing yep and and it, that's that's the NCAA way of weaseling out of it by the way it's not putting their number their name on the number but everybody knows who it is. Yeah. They they bought it because it is Anthony Davis's jersey or whatever. And and you know, and, and that's the only reason they bought it. Twenty three doesn't mean anything without the name Jordan on it. 
it becomes a whole different category, you know, or, you know, LeBron to a lesser extent, you know, that means something that means something to the person who's buying it. And it's the same thing for the NCAA. You know, they, they really do need to do something about this. They got to, if they want to survive, they got to have to loosen up the rules at least, and it will take some of the corruption out. It won't get rid of all. I of think it. if you allow players to make money off their name, off their likeness, and all that, that can solve a lot of the scandal. Now, initially, I thought you know having these players come out from high school, I was thinking you know that's going to solve a lot of the scandal too. But I'm just thinking more and more now, if they these players are able to make a little bit of money on the side, it'll solve the scandal. They don't have to get paid under the table anymore. Illegally, well, I, I definitely I don't think there's any way to truly stamp out scandal. I, I don't think there's any way of doing that, but it will take a huge bite out of some of the the stuff that all these schools are worrying about all the time. You know the absurdity of it. You know whether they have to attend class so many times a week and things like that, and play to and and they're restricting the number of hours that they can practice. That's all legitimate stuff, but at the same time, they're making millions, even billions of dollars off the likeness of kids' names, and and not their names themselves, but their their faces, their jerseys, all these different things. They're selling shoe contracts according to the team, you know, and and what you know. Let's take Nike for example. You know, let's go all the way back to North Carolina, 1982. Can you imagine sitting down with Nike and saying, yeah, you know, Michael Jordan wore your tennis shoes, you know, and, uh, you know, and we might have a Michael Jordan four years from now, Nike, you know, so how about kicking in some money for that, you know, and then this kid becomes, you know, a Michael Jordan-esque type player and Nike's got him. Well, they're, they're, even if, they don't have a specific face for the player. They're still selling that. You know, they're selling the future prospects of the NBA. And it's based on a certain ability that they have when they play on the court for a college basketball team. And if you can let them make money off their own likeness and things like that, keep money out of pay for play and all that stuff, and that's where the corruption would probably be. Even though these kids are making money on the side, one kid might say, well, I can make more money. And then Kentucky, not Kentucky, but, you know, let's just say some, some lower market says, well, you know, we'll kick in an extra $100,000 for you not to go to New York City. You know, that's where maybe there's some of the corruption. So there's still some regulation at NCAA. If they love the regulation so much, there's still some stuff that they can regulate. They can regulate how, how often kids go to class. What kind of grade they get? All of that. They're taking all that power away from themselves because some kid wants to sign an autograph and get paid money or get his picture taken or do a, com- a waterbed commercial. That's absurd, you know? So, but uh, I'm done. <laughs> so. Yeah, it, it make a lot of good, it, uh, really a lot of good points. And it, the point is really, if the NCAA doesn't, try to talk about it and try to settle things out with these different states and try to come up with a way to regulate just just allow for once in the NCA's uh time 
to just let players make money off their name. Because, like I said, there's just there's no reason that they shouldn't be able to. They're already bringing in a lot of money in the schools anyway, the top-tier schools. The schools are making money off of them, their jerseys. So really, why can't... Why shouldn't the players be able to make a little bit of money off that? It's not really fair to them either, that the student-athletes, that they can't get any really money off of that. And I, if the NCAA, like I, we've been saying this, if the NCAA does not do anything and they want to sit on it until next year, and let's say Florida passes and it start, for Florida it starts next year, they're going to be hurting big if they don't come up with something because it's going to be total chaos. It's not going to be structured whatsoever. It's just going to be crazy all around, and like this is going to be huge storyline. And we were just talking about, you know, like you were saying, the the whole Kansas thing is, if it it won't matter if the NCAA doesn't try to, uh, if the NCAA doesn't do anything, it won't matter because the the NCAA might be gone next year if they don't do anything. It's just all going to be crazy, and this it really sets a domino effect. This whole uh, California bill, it just sets a domino effect for what the future is or what the future might consist of. And it, it's really going to be crazy. Now, since basketball season is coming up, these different uh, teams are doing their March Madnesses. Not a lot of do that, but they're doing March Madness, or not March Madness, the Midnight Madness. They're doing their media days. And Penny Hardaway, I thought like, he was kind of a cool guy. And then ever since he got into Memphis and he got he gets this number one rated recruiting class, He's been getting kind of cocky, and he's just been really, he's been saying stuff that just rubs off me, rubs off on me the wrong way. And recently, the other day, he's he said, uh, "What do I know? I know when I have something special. When I see this group in action, see their abilities, I know what's at stake, and I know what's out there." He told Athletic in a story published um, last Wednesday. The teams like Michigan State, Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, all the usual suspects. I've studied their the, the film. I know who they are, but when I look at this group, I just say to myself, we're going to win a national championship. That's what I know. Now, Penny, here's the thing. This is you're going to be your second year at Memphis. The only, the only reason you got that number one ranked uh, center, James Wiseman, the only reason that you got him is because... You coached him in AAU. Otherwise, if you didn't come to Memphis, guess where he's at? Kentucky. Because Kentucky was heavily recruiting him. And then when you got that number one player, you got these other five-star guys to come, and now you have the number one recruiting class. And think about this. You didn't coach every single AAU number one player ranked in the country guy. And you're not going to be able to recruit like this ever again. And now... Here and here's what you've here's what Penny has done as far as uh, expectations. Now, since you're saying, hey, you know, since you didn't temper expectations and just say, hey, we have a team that's capable of making it to the Final Four, and instead of just tempering expectations and saying something like that, you're giving these fans false expectations that, hey, we're gonna make it far no matter what. We're going to be one of the best teams out there, and we're going to win a championship. And now, if you don't, fans are going to be pissed, and you're not going to be able to get these recruits anymore. Okay, I have to interject here. 
What fans? It's Memphis. Kansas hasn't been relevant. Or not Kansas. <laughs> Memphis hasn't been relevant yeah, since know, John Calipari's been there. I'm just saying, I, I, I'll be honest with you, okay? Memphis is a uh, city university. Um, they hardly have a following. They don't have a hardcore following like your blue blood schools and things like that, and rightfully so. But at the same time, either you're winning or you're dying with these teams. And that's why I think he's he's doing what he's doing. He's just out there bloviating, telling about how great they are to get somebody, please watch us because, you know, we're going to be good and, and so on and so forth. I'll tell you this right now. The man, and I'll say it right now, has no future in college basketball. And I'll tell you why he doesn't have a future in college basketball. Because he's not doing anything fundamental, fundamentally changing anything in Memphis. Memphis has always been a team that goes out and grabs a five-star or whatever and then hope everybody else falls in line. That's not how it works. Okay? In order for you to establish a, a legacy, it has nothing to do with national championships. It has to do with consistently being good every year. And every single year getting better yes. and building a legit program like yes. John Calipari did with Kentucky. Well, I mean, it, it, let's take Kentucky out of it, okay? Let's take someone who, um, who really fundamentally changed basketball uh, for the better, uh, you know, as far as, um, you know, a program. You know, you can take University of Florida um, back in the back in the days of uh, Coach, uh, what's his name? The uh, Donovan. Donovan. Billy Donovan. Billy Donovan. You know where he started out. The team wasn't very good, and he built them into a national championship caliber team. He eventually goes on to the NBA. But the point is, is that he fundamentally changed things in Florida. This is not happening in Memphis. All he did is go out and get him five stars. Is he going to be able to coach them? <laughs> that's a, that's the thing. He went twenty two and fourteen last year. Yeah, missed the NCAA tournament, made the NIT. I don't even think I don't even know if they made the NIT. Finished fifth in the in a very weak conference. Yes. we don't even know what he can do with a, a good this team. type a good team. And you we know, don't even know. That's coaching too. That is coaching too. Considering uh, you know Calipari, there's Texas. University of Texas had many, many really good recruiting classes come in, and they lose 10-plus games. You know, on paper, you're like, wow, Texas is going to be pretty good this year. Next thing you know, they don't make the tournament, or they barely make the tournament by the skin of their teeth. You know, that, that in itself, recruiting is a big aspect of it, but you got to put it all together. You know, you got to have that floor – where you won a national championship in the locker room and things like that. You know, just the little small things of taking someone to Midnight Madness. University of Kentucky. You know how many people have gone to University of Kentucky because of their Midnight Madness? Done deal. That, that's usually the closing I mean, statement. Kentucky is having recruits next week is the, the Midnight Madness sure. for Kentucky. They're having five-star recruits come there yeah. and view it. And yeah. once they do, they're gonna be like, "Holy!" And not they're gonna be that, like, "Holy crap! On, I want to be a part of that." They turn on ESPN and they see the the people running to camp out to get tickets. You know, I mean that's crazy. 
That's insane. That, that that's how you that's how you build a that's tradition. Yes. That's how you build a program. You can't just expect to get a a, a group of five star eighteen year olds and expect to win a national championship. You have to have some type of experience on that on that team too, and have, be it an established program. You're not you're not an established program, and you're not an established coach. U of L football, great example. Person come out and get these great recruits and things like that. Can't put it together. I'm just telling you, you mark my words. In five, six years, Penny Hardway is a mediocre coach in the NCAA uh, basketball. He's not coaching at all. You mark my words on this. And the reason is because he's not doing anything. He's flashing his NBA career and, and just because like he that. seems cool. Yeah. And, and, and I guess what. In five, six years, a lot of these basketball players are going to be like, who in the hell is Penny Hardaway? Right. You know, they might know him because like, of AAU, but yeah. they don't know him like because said, of his Like I said, that's legit. The only reason he got James Wiseman, the number one player for t- uh, 2019, the only reason, because he played for him in AAU. Sure. That's the Familiarity. That's the, yeah. that, right. That's the only reason. Otherwise, Penny never goes to Memphis. He's going to Kentucky because Kentucky was heavily recruiting him from the start. And it was looking like he was going to go to Kentucky and then Memphis goes to, or, and then Penny Hardaway goes to Memphis. Sure, sure. It's, I just, it's just, and that's going to make people, you know, that's going to get under people's skins. And that's just going to get, oh, well, man, I hope, and, and this is me too. I hope Memphis doesn't make the NCAA tournament. I hope they don't even make the NIT. I hope they struggle so bad. Just yeah, because there, you just too, because yeah. just because you wear three thousand dollar suits and you, you know. just you set this bar way too high for your second year. And for the people who are actually fans of the the basketball team that you're setting up What's wrong you're, with saying, hey, you know, we're gonna have a pretty good ball team. We're, I'm, uh, yeah. we're gonna go we're gonna this do is, things. Just say we're gonna do we might be able to you don't have to just say, say specifically we're going to win. Yeah, a we're going to win a national championship. <laughs> I look at this team. I watch the tape from Kentucky, from Michigan State, Kansas, Duke. I I know them. I know who they are. And when I see this team, I see a national uh, national championship. There's no. Why, why can't you just say, hey, this team is going to is can be capable of great things. Uh, how about saying uh, you can even take it up a step from there and say I'll put my team up against any of those teams and I think we could win. What's wrong with that? But when you say national championship, considering if you know that makes him that makes me think he knows nothing about the NCAA he, play, right. play, playoff uh, system because any even, team can lose yeah, in that first Duke, or second okay, round. Technically, and, and, and last it's year been, Duke on paper should have won it. And Duke on paper was probably the the most talented team. And and look, on paper, look how they struggled. They struggled mightily. They, they in should, that, yeah. In that, well, and that. They should have lost in that second round. Yeah, and against the sixteen, they eventually killed them. But against the sixteen seed, they they were down in that first half. They should have lost the UCF in that second round. And it just goes to show that just because you have a group of talented five star freshmen, just because you have all these five stars who are very young, it doesn't mean you're going to be able to put it together. No, and 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 it sets false expectations too for those. Five Look at stars. okay, so Kentucky the. The first year that Cal had the, the Harrison twins, <laughs> literally, Mar- uh, yeah. Marcus Lee had uh, Julius Randle, that team. 
going to the season, people had 40 you know shirts, a bunch of five stars. No, don't get me wrong. They were super talented. But they had struggles. And I really think this Memphis team can really can see those same type of struggles. I'll do one even better. Let's take the first year of Calipari. Okay? How good was that ball team? You know, how, how could, could he have not come out and said, you know what, we'll win a national championship this year. Run into a buzzsaw called West Virginia. Shooting the lights out. Can't shoot a three-pointer all year long. Then all of a sudden shooting 60% from the three-point line. How could you possibly predict that? How could you possibly see that coming? And that's what the NCAA tournament is. You're one player who shoots the light out from being beat. And that's the truth. And, you know, and there's literally nothing you can do about it. Nothing. And, and no matter how good, how many five-star players you have, that stuff comes around and it happens. And having all those five-stars, it doesn't mean anything unless you have a good coach to guide them. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if Calipari was doing this, and we know that he can coach five-star people, we would be like, shut the hell up. Don't say that. Because because now the legit now it's you're setting up championship or bust. Yeah, it's gonna yeah. be a championship or it's gonna be a complete failure. Yes. You're basically there's only two options here. Yeah, and and when Calipari talks, he talks about having talent. He talks about we're gonna be good, we're gonna be competitive. He uses the usual general terms, but he's certainly not having the players coming in thinking they're gonna win a national championship. And then what if they don't? What does that say about future recruits, too? You know, hey, you predicted with this five-star, this this carte blanche great team, you predicted win a national championship. Why in the hell would I want to come to your school when you predicted a national championship and didn't do it? Now, if Penny Hardaway, by some miracle, wins it all this year, he might have more than five years. But that's what he's got to stop. If they actually go out and win a national championship, that's when I'm worried that, hey, people might start going to Memphis now. Yeah. yeah. But, but yeah. I mean, you know, we know and through experience the likelihood of them winning it from day one at the end of the in season. In Penny's second nothing. year coaching. Yeah. It's, I don't think it's going to happen. Tell Villanova that. Yeah. You know, Villanova wasn't in on anybody's radar nope. and they won it all. I mean, they were on radar, but you weren't thinking at the beginning of the season, hey, they're going to win it. You know, you're like, no, no, that's not going to happen. Right. You know, I mean, we're, we're talking about 25-plus years of basketball where there were maybe one or two teams where you could say, hey, they're going to win it all. One of them was Duke, and the other was Michigan Wolverines. And guess what? Michigan Wolverines didn't do it. Duke did it once. And that was it. And that was the greatest team in NCAA basketball history. Period, and I hate saying that as a UK fan, but that was that was an amazing team, and that's the only time that where you could truly say at the beginning of the season, yeah, begrudgingly say, yeah, Duke's probably going to win it all this year, and but so for him to say that with players he's never coached before, and by the way, those were four-year seniors too; they weren't freshmen. You know, it's it's so arrogant. I just I don't like I just don't understand like who else do you have other than those freshmen? Yeah. Do you have actually an? Ex- it's so arrogant you, it makes your teeth sweat. Do you have it an? Ex- really do you have an experienced? Do you have an experienced guy there? Yeah. Do you? I'm, I'm just I'm I'm just curious <laughs> if Memphis has that. You know why the Anthony Davis the Anthony Davis team won a national the championship? The experienced player is because they had else they had players recruited. who came back for the sophomore year and they had a senior in Darius Miller. 
who did he didn't do a lot of po- he didn't score a lot of points. But you know what? He could lead the team. He was a senior. He was a great leader, and he can get you that bucket from the three point line. Yeah, I don't. Memphis doesn't have that, no. and that's why that was my concern about Duke last year. They they can have all this talent that they want. They have the top three players um, in the NCAA, the recruiting rankings. That's all fine and dandy, but it won't doesn't mean anything if you don't have a little mix of leadership. Yeah. And experience. That's my main. That's my. If you're gonna do it the, the five, the one and done way and get all these five star recruits, that's fine. But you're and in order to win a national championship, you are going to have to have some kind of leadership on that team, other than some freshmen. You're gonna have to have it either maybe a, a, a sophomore, but mostly I think you're gonna need at least a junior and a senior. I guess he got the attention that he wanted. Yeah, because we talked about uh, now. Harvard. Now and here's Penny the thing: media. Harvard. Now that now here's the thing: the media. All the once basketball season starts, here's what the media is going to say: this is that they're all eyes are going to be on them and saying, "Hey, is this Memphis team capable of winning a national championship?" Yeah, and I I don't think they are. Yeah. And I'm sorry. And like I said, you can have all the five star talent you want. It doesn't matter unless you have a coach that can guide them and get better every single day and we don't even know oh by the way win a national championship if you're so confident why don't you play duke kentucky kansas yeah schedule some all these teams schedule some blue buds man yeah sure let's see you know you're so good let's do it yeah let's run it all right so we're gonna do one more segment uh (laughs) because this hour is about to come up and that's (laughs) all i have on this but we're gonna do one more segment after this and we're gonna talk about uk football rest of their schedule and uh What's going to happen if uh, Lynn Bowden ends up starting at quarterback? So, next segment coming up. Welcome back, guys. It's segment two. Tyler Goff, Tim Renfro with me. So, I, did, I we were running out of time with that last hour because, you know, this app that I record a podcast on and it puts it on Apple and uh, on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and all these other podcasting platforms. They only give me an hour to record. So, uh, and uh, running out of time on the last one. So, doing another segment. Uh, and I really did want to talk about UK football because it's really, it's been something on my mind. And you know, the past three weeks, you know, those first three quarters, that Florida game, it looked awesome. And ever since that fourth quarter, we just haven't been the same football team. And, I know a lot of injuries have played a, a big part in that, and you know you you can everyone can try to make up excuses and all that, but when is a lot, you know, we have a couple of players that are hurt, Sawyer Smith battling injuries, and most importantly, Terry Wilson got hurt, and um, you know before the season we were talking about how you know despite losing all of this talent that we um legendary talent at that that you know left the program because he graduated and all that. We were still thinking, you know, if we, you know Terry Wilson improves, our offense gets better, and our defense gets, you know, tries to learn. The newer players try to learn and get better every single week. You know, we're still going to win eight or nine games just based off our schedule because it's not as difficult as it, an SEC schedule usually is or as our, you know, as our schedule usually is. We have... And then second weekend of college football, Terry Wilson goes down, hurts his knee. And it sucks because the whole off season, you know, pretty much after Kentucky won the Citrus Bowl, you know, the whole off season after that is, 
you know, set up an offense around Terry Wilson. This is now officially Terry Wilson's offense because last year it was all Benny, and rightfully so. That Terry Wilson's offense now. And, you know, if Terry Wilson gets hurt now, Sawyer Smith, which I'm glad we got him because we'd be even more screwed than we already are without him. But, you know, Sawyer Smith can, comes in, has a, an okay game, has a, actually more than okay game against Florida, I thought. He was good, and uh, and then he gets hurt. And then he tries to tough it out, and then we lose to two very mediocre teams in Mississippi State and South Carolina. Very, when I say mediocre, they're like very mediocre. They're not what they usually are. So, I just, and you know, this, say what you want about the injuries. It just seems like the last two, this, the last two weeks, our offense has been so stagnant. It reminds me of last year's offense. And it's it's just, it makes me want to bang my head up against the wall because, you know, and another part, uh, another storyline is on in this offseason was that try, the offense trying to find an identity and an offense where we needed to outscore people. We needed to be able to put points on the board because we don't have a defense like we did last year to where they could keep us in the game whenever we were struggling offensively and we were able to ground out, grind out games. This year, we have a very inexperienced uh, defense other than the defensive line and the linebackers. The whole secondary is inexperienced, and we're gonna, we are, if we're going to get crushed, if our secondary is going to get crushed and the opposing team is going to be able to score points, we're going to be able to fight back. And we, we've shown the last couple of weeks we haven't been able to do that. And it, it just, it make, and I just, it gives me flashbacks of last year's team about how sometimes the offense was really dreadful last year. And we, against South Carolina, we could not move the ball whatsoever down the half, um, down the down the field. And we had plenty of, we, their defense wasn't, against South Carolina, the defense wasn't even that bad. And we, we had, offense had plenty of opportunities to try to put points on the board, and we couldn't do it until garbage pile. My main concern going forward, and, you know, it's looking like more than likely we're going to be starting Lynn Bowden, our star wide receiver at quarterback. And I don't know how I feel about that. He played a little bit of quarterback in high school, but we both know that playing uh, quarterback between is very different between high school and college. You're playing better defenses, just better overall talent. I I don't know how if, I don't know how Lynn's going to do, but my main concern, and we talked about this before, is I I we I feel like if we still had Terry Wilson, we we had and we won eight or nine games, we had so much momentum going into 2020, and we got a recruit from freaking uh, a transfer from LSU. We don't get top fit, and he was a top fifty guy. We Kentucky doesn't get those very often, so we had all this momentum building up going into twenty twenty, and now I'm worried about losing that momentum. And if we can't, and I like, and I I told you this, the bye week couldn't have come at a more perfect time for Kentucky to try to be able to figure everything out, and. If we, if Kentucky doesn't figure anything out and the worst, we have a worst case scenario, I am so worried about losing some recruits and I'm worried about just losing this momentum going into 2020 and where we on, where Kentucky's on track of, in the process of moving into that next tier of SEC teams.
where we can consistently beat Florida and get closer and closer to beating Georgia. What are your thought what have your thoughts been about Kentucky the past two weeks? And is there a way Kentucky can right the ship this season and try to make things right and try to come into next season, 2020, where we're expecting to be a really good ball team to try to right the ship and get back on track? I don't, I don't, I personally don't believe that you can right the ship when you're dealing with the type of injuries that uh, Kentucky has been dealing with. Um, Personally, I, I don't think it's going to affect the recruiting class next year. If uh, I, I do have a kind of a thought on this, if a guy decides to leave because you lost some of your best players to injury, then why would you want them in the first place? Uh, if you're not, so, if these recruits just can't have a little bit of sympathy and well, kind of have a little bit of understanding of what Kentucky's situation but, is, but right also now. basic understanding of football that that injuries happen, and there's absolutely pretty much nothing that you can do about it to keep it from happening and to understand and have a long view that, Hey, you know, the injury is just an anomaly that happened that, that school year. The next year is a totally different thing. I got an experience secondary next year. A lot of things that Kentucky can offer, uh, two healthy quarterbacks who have a lot of experience on the field. Um, you know, so hopefully healthy, uh, you know, we got a, and we had a freshman quarterback, uh, Nick Scalzo, who going into the season he was as a freshman he was already a third stringer. Yeah, and he tore his ACL. So that the quarterback situation, we've had injuries on the quarterback, th- three of our top guys. Yeah, and we have another freshman, Amani Gilmore, who and some player, um, some fans are commenting is why why don't you put him Amani Gilmore to see what he can do. He's first of all, he's a freshman. The coaches see him more as a project, as maybe a up to a senior year player. And here's another thing. He only knows like ten plays, from what I've heard through the grapevine. Do you really want a guy in there playing um, playing quarterback who only knows ten plays of the of the the offense? So. Kentucky is going to have, and like you said, it's kind of hard to right the ship when you've had so many injuries, but I feel like, you know, we've, we've had the fortunate standing of having a, a, an, and uh, not that difficult of a schedule. And I think, you know, those last four games, you know, before the season, you know, we could have said, well, those last four games, they don't, we can win all of them. They won't mean a lot. But now I'm thinking these last four games, they mean a lot. I think that means a lot going for the morale of the future. Because with these recruits that we have this year, the freshmen who haven't gotten a lot of playing time so far, they're going to be a big part of Kentucky going forward. And so are the our top 25 class of next year is also going to be going to um, top. Um, it's all like it's all about the long view. It's all about the future. If those last four games, I think we're going to have to try to win them all. Try to just, just have that little bit of momentum going into – 2020 and really it starts with beating Arkansas next week and then you and you you play Georgia after that which you and I both know even with Terry Wilson the chances of Wes winning that game are very you know couldn't swimming. beat them last year Ain't gonna we, could, we this couldn't year. beat them we had <laughs> one of our best teams ever and we couldn't we couldn't beat them last year yeah so we're still a long ways even with Terry Wilson from beating Georgia 
not that long, not too much, but I think we're getting closer, but we just, we don't have the talent even this year, especially this year. Even with the talent. Even with the talent. We're going to have trouble. Kentucky's no. not there yet. Yeah. And. Listen, I, I believe that this is a huge opportunity for Stoops to prove his, his muster in the coaching position. We already talked about this. We talked about how he's basically taking Kentucky from nothing to something. And now it's sort of like, okay, we're something now, but injuries happen. How are we going to respond to it? How are we going to uh, be able to persevere? Because most teams wouldn't be able to survive two quarterbacks dropped. And then you go back to a third string. You know, I don't care who you are. If you're Alabama and you're on your third string, you're hurting offensively. Every t- every team is yeah. going to struggle. Absolutely. And I think I think a big problem, and I think this is why we, so far we've had some struggles in offense, is the fact that our offense was centered around Terry Wilson. This was officially going to be his offense this year. First year, yeah. And then you have Sawyer Smith, who is a very different player than Terry Wilson. He likes to sling it. Mark Stoops is a very conservative coach. He does not like to throw it all over the field. So, and Terry Wilson, he had you know he can do much more than just throw it down the field. He can run. He had athletic ability, being able to escape certain situations and avoid getting sacked. Freaking and, horse and, call. And yeah, and not being able to and keeping the ball and not turning it over. Mark Stoops, like I said, very conservative coach. Sawyer Smith is not very conservative. He likes to throw it around. And when you, ha- I just don't think that has mixed well so far. And Mark Stoops had this mindset with Terry Wilson. And then when Terry Wilson got hurt, it just kind of threw things all over the ground. And um, trying to have to pick up the pieces and re- re- restructure everything for this year. And I think that's one of the main th- – apart from Sawyer Smith, all these injuries and Sawyer Smith getting banged up, I think that's – one of the reasons why we've had these struggles on offense so far is we just haven't been able to mesh well together. Or Sawyer Smith hasn't been able to really fit in line with uh, with Mark Stoops. And a problem is like the fans, we've been spoiled. Because after winning 10 games, fans are expecting greatness year in, year out now. And that's just not fair. And we were talking about even after – um, after winning 10 games last year that we were going to have to temper our expectations and be able to realize, hey, we lost some guys. We, we're going to kind of fall back a little bit, but not too much. But There was something that snuck in. We didn't talk about injuries and possibly how that changes the game too. And so, you know, this is why um, I think having a long view as far as a football program is so important. This is not basketball. Re- you know, we're we're not, you know, it reloading took, the shotgun yeah. every year. You know, it took Mark Stoops six years to get to point where they win ten games. Yep, that's a lot of talent and six and a lot of a lot amount of time. So, I think these, like I said, I, I am I'm still kind of worried about losing some recruits because I feel like people are so quick to leave and try to go to a better team and, um, but I I. I I think sometimes the the recruits are gonna just have to realize that situations happen, things happen, and uh, I really hope that recruits 
going forward, I'd hope they recognize the greatness that can be at Kentucky and that they, even despite having struggled, having struggled so far this year, they are still on, on the cups of something great. And I think Kentucky is, if they right the ship and try to win as many games, there's still a lot of games to win up there, I think, especially with those last four. We win these games, go to a bowl game, try to win that bowl game. I think we're on set of hopefully 2020 being a, a, a of a fantastic year. And I'm really excited about football going forward, um, despite, you know, we've had struggles this year. And uh, I want to thank Tim for joining me on another episode. That was a little bit short segment, but like I said, I really wanted to talk about UK football and that. Um, until next time, I'm Tyler Goff. Thank you for joining us in the Man Cave.